Hello, good morning. It is 9.38 p.m. Sunday, September 8th, 2019. Welcome to the Theta Game Podcast, the official podcast of ThetaGain.com. I'm your host, Juni, and thank you for tuning in. Quick disclaimer, these are only my opinions, and anything said in this podcast and future podcasts should not be considered financial advice. Thanks. All right, jumping into the weekly picks. This week, pretty light on the big names. We have GameStop and Dave and & Buster's after close on Tuesday, Aurora Cannabis Wednesday after close, as well as Kroger before open on Thursday. Something to note about GameStop is that Michael Burry, uh, the famous shorter of the 2008 financial crisis, is long on GameStop because of its ever-growing free cash flow. Free cash flow is important for any company because it means that that cash can be reinvested back to the stockholder. So you can, as a company, either buy back more shares in a stock buyback, or you can release a dividend, a dividend, a dividend uh, back to the shareholders as well. And Michael Burry's firm uh, was noted um, last week uh, urging the GameStop to complete its share buyback. Um, as well as um, just returning money back to the shareholders. GameStop is at its all-time low over the course of the five years. Um, in the five years, it's been going down 90%, and just this week, it's been slowly inching back up in lieu of Tuesday earnings after the bell. Michael Burry also has a few more bullish cases for GameStop. For example, in summer 2019, we are at the tail end of the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One lifecycle, which means you know all these new gamers that want the next console are going to have to replace them. They have a like more likely chance of going into a store and getting it right away rather than waiting in the mail for like however many days it takes for it to get shipped to them. Um, this similar price action um, was seen uh, about six years ago, November 2013, uh, when GameStop was at its lowest point then. But when new game consoles had to get replaced, um, I don't remember which one's the one before the Xbox One, maybe the Xbox 360. But when the Xbox One and PlayStation 4 came in to replace those, then the stock nearly tripled. So with the newest PlayStation 4 and Xbox One currently right now getting replaced, maybe sometime this Christmas season, uh, there's a good bullish case to be had for GameStop, especially with the free cash flow and all these reinvesting opportunities that uh, GameStop has a, as a company. There's one more smallish bullish case on GameStop, and that's the new PlayStation and Xbox will still continue to have disc readers. So if gamers want to still play their favorite games um, as fast as possible, or maybe they don't have the patience to download something, they'll still have to go into the store to buy a hard copy. However, this is a little bit dated. Like I'm not entirely sure, you know, if uh, cloud service has gone around this. I'm pretty sure you're able to pre-download a game, but just not play it until the release date is out. But I could be wrong here. I'm not entirely sure. It's been a while since I played a console game, but that's that's another bullish case for GameStop. All right, moving on to our second weekly pick. That is Costco. Costco had 139,000 people sign up on its first opening day in Shanghai. This is its first. Um, opening overseas so just as like a positive forward outlook investors are seeing massive potential growth for Costco being that they can continue opening stores and continue having these great first sale or first day of sale numbers and um, yeah it's just it's just really crazy how much Costco has been going up lately Um, upgrades have been going out this weekend 
and should continue to go out next week and for the rest of the month. All right, and to wrap things up, I just want to talk about the positions I currently have open, and that's a collection of Tesla, Shopify, Amazon, and Netflix short iron condors. And then I have a set of put credit spreads uh, that I sold on QSR, which is, again, the brand that sells uh, Popeye sandwiches because they own Popeyes. Um, there's still memes about it. Stores are still lining up. People uh, are still raving about it. Um, the stock did take a little bit of a dip because um, Morgan Stanley came into the mix and bought shares. Um, it was around the price of like, I think 75 or $75.50 or something like that. And so the stock took a bit of a dip, but I maintain my thesis of, you know, this stock being just really popular right now. And, you know, big conglomerate coming in like Morgan Stanley is sometimes even a good thing because, you know, they're not going to go into a position that will go down or at least not not trying to at least so when the stock comes or when a big bank comes in like Morgan Stanley then you're going to be looking at maybe hopeful upgrades so that they boost their own position so I'm looking out for that um, but as you know as they come in on this 75 or 75 dollar and 50 cent price target um, I'm confident that it will stay in this price range However, that's not to say that when QSR was taking a dip, I could have definitely doubled down on my open position and I would be up really, really big right now. However, that would have made me uncomfortable and uh, put my position size in QSR uh, too big uh, where I would be able to not stress out about it and maintain a, like, a level head. Um, because last episode, you know, I talk about making sure that you're trading uh, comfortably and making sure that you trade that you don't get blown up. This is one of the points and cases where, you know, I look at QSR and tell myself like, hey, I could have made like a few thousand dollars if I had just, you know, stuck with my original thesis and doubled down on it. But I could have, it could have easily gone the other way and I could have just gone and blown up and lost thousands of dollars when, you know, my original max loss was something that, you know, I accounted for. So this is just a, you know, message to everyone that's trading right now that, you know, looks back and says like, man, I could have made so much money on that last trade if I just pulled the trigger. Well, sometimes, you know, it's worth missing out on that because you just need to remember that, again, it could have easily just gone the other way. You just need to be able to maintain a thesis, a trading strategy that you're comfortable with, that you don't look back and you dwell on those, but you look forward to the, you know, the future of you not blowing up your account and you're making consistent gains and you're just you're just happier. This is also to note, um, just swear this is the last thing I'm gonna say for the weekly picks is that um, I've been trying short iron condors as of late. This is the first week I think I've ever just only done short iron condors. Um, I'm up on every single position, uh, which feels nice, and maybe I'll continue to do that. But typically, I've only done short iron condors for earnings. But you know, the market's pretty choppy right now. I thought, hey, why not collect premium from both sides and I like it. Um, it's a it's a strategy that's been working for me for this past week. I don't have that many data points for it. I only have four, but hey, well, I'll just I'll just keep the train going. If uh, if this week turns out green, I'll roll them into next week or maybe pick do new strike prices. But um, yeah, I, I'm I'm digging the strategy right now. 
All right, up next, uh, the new website updates. Um, the last two weeks, I've been dwelling on doing like, you know, designs and making sure that I get the features I want in for this next one because it's going to be huge. It is, in fact, huge. If you go to thetagang.com right now, uh, you'll notice that like everything just looks cleaner, everything's faster. But most importantly, uh, there's a comment thread on the homepage that's a collection of all the different ticker comments on every ticker um, as well as if you write a ticker in a comment you could click on it and go to that ticker like it's super smooth um, it doesn't feel like you know when you go to a symbol on the site now it doesn't feel like you're in a shoebox uh, it actually feels or the site feels really cohesive now you still can't reply to anyone you still can't upvote anything which is something I plan to do in the future in the very near future but it definitely makes the site more collaborative so I beg you guys to go check it out you know make some comments and I'll be keeping a close eye on it and I'm just looking real forward to hearing all from you guys also shout out if you were one of the first 100 people to sign up on thetagang.com you have a special flair uh, that is something to note and yeah um, so next future is most likely going to be being able to upvote something um, as well as replying to people uh, receiving notifications if someone replies to you and adding trades I want to be able to let you guys add your own trades but I also want to make it as easy and seamless as possible because I know for one uh, it's annoying for me even for myself to go into the site and add the trades um, and that's me doing it so I want to be able to you know make sure that the UI is as friendly and easily navigatable as possible for you guys to go in and add your trades because I feel like me doing this enough times has given me the ability to really uh, like feel the friction of what it takes to get your trades into a dashboard so um, just know that when this feature is finally out it is built by someone just like you that wants to do something like this and record your trades and so this is being built from the ground up uh, with the you know the the idea of making this the best trading uh, recording platform possible all right uh it is 10 minutes into the episode and i haven't even started about talking about today's topic but i assume that most of you listen for the weekly picks anyway so i don't feel too bad anyway um so today's topic is a popular question and perhaps the most popular question i get asked and that is hey junie how do you pick your trades um this is going to be a bit of a rant uh, but hopefully you can make sense of this. I organized it into bullet points, uh, but I'm just going to jump straight into it. Here we go. Rule number one is trade what you know. So, for example, if you're in the software industry like I am, maybe Netflix, Amazon, Google, all these companies, maybe they you know fascinate you or intrigue you. So doing your due diligence and reading about them in the news or keeping up with the news isn't such a chore. And, you know, when you're is so ingrained in the industry and it becomes part of your identity it really just doesn't feel like news at all it just feels like you know you're researching uh like you know what the newest tech trends are and why you think this is really cool but you know you hear offhand news about their financials it feels less of a burden than you know if you went to some you know steel industry that you care nothing about rather uh other than making money off of them and it just doesn't feel right that being said, nothing gets you more comfortable than a stock than putting it on your watch list. I know that's pretty obvious, but I want to uh, just share how I organize my watch list. And it's that 
unless if I actively plan on opening a trade or maintaining a trade, I don't have it on my watch list. So my watch list right now is around like seven tickers large. And, you know, before when I first started trading, I had like 50 tickers or something. But, you know, as you learn, as you, you know, get more experience, you realize that, you know, some of these retail tickers, like, you know, even like Microsoft and Amazon, they're affected by uh, or they affect QQQ. And these these are macro trends that happen. You know, when tech goes down, all of tech goes down and vice versa. So uh, that's one thing to keep in mind is that, you know, keep your watch list small. Get familiar with like price channels and price ranges. Like I wouldn't be able to tell you the price range uh, or price channel of Amazon right now. I just know that, you know, maybe. Uh, we're between 1700 and 1900 but other than that um, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you too much um, and that's because I keep a general bird's eye view on the stock but I will not you know go nitty-gritty into like you know it's one second chart or something absurd like that so that's rule number one trade what you know trade something that's in your industry or something that's a passion of yours and keep high exposure to it so you want to keep in your watch list and you know subscribe to news feeds about that uh, particular uh, stock ticker moving on to uh, what I want to say uh, emotions <laughs> that's at least what the bullet point says here emotions uh, you want to take as much of the emotion out of trading as possible because when you bring emotions into it that's when you tilt and that's when you get the biggest and worst days of your life uh, trading is when you are feeling emotional about position so uh, the main rules I like to keep for myself when opening a position and that's an opening of a position that I'm comfortable with, meaning I am opening a position on, say, Microsoft, on Amazon, Tesla, Shopify. These are like those; those are just some, but I only have a few uh, stocks I trade, but I'm comfortable with them. After I choose that criteria, then I'm on to the next one, which is IV. I love trading high IV stocks. I know I mentioned earlier uh, Microsoft uh, as a stock I like to. Uh, trade or aka sell options on uh, it doesn't have that much high of an IV but that's just one of my you know uh, Juni picks if you want to call it like I'm just really bullish on Microsoft I think it's a good company I believe in its vision um, I'm gonna be selling puts on it pretty frequently I don't currently have any puts on it right now but you know I'll go into it back or <laughs> go into it back back into it eventually that being said, there are higher IV items in my watch list. That includes Tesla, Shopify, and Amazon. Um, I love trading those because premium seems to always be like above like 40%. Um, definitely at least above 30. But um, yeah, Tesla and Shopify are definitely my favorite stocks to sell options on because IV is consistently high. And, you know, selling puts on them have worked really well in the past. I'll continue doing that this week. Of course, I only have short iron condors open on the normal stocks I have. Um, but I have put credit spreads on QSR because I have a general belief that it will stay flat or go up because of the big bank investment by Morgan Stanley. So there you go. So rule number one, pick what you know and trade what you know. And then you want to make sure that you are trading something that is relatively high IV. So hopefully one of your interests or one of your stock watch list items have high, higher IV. Um, the next, when you go in or when I go in to pick a trade, I always do put credit spreads 
call credit spreads or short iron condors. Those are the ones that give you net credit. I will have separate videos on each of those strategies on when they're useful, but just to keep this video short, um, those are the three strategies I like to deploy. Um, but when I pick the strikes, um, I like making the strikes um, equal or to about um, 0.2 delta, which is roughly 80% chance probability profit. Um, but there are certain streaks, as you can tell in my trading history as well, where it's 0.3 delta or 70% chance of probability of profit. And you know both strategies have worked, um, but ideally for short iron condors, I like having a little bit more probability of profit as um, you know just so I can definitely keep my uh, or keep my eyes less on the screen and I don't have to worry about them because the probability of profit is higher, meaning the price can fluctuate more. If you're wondering how you calculate a probability of profit, um, don't worry. You don't need to have like a math degree or anything. Your broker, uh, I know Robinhood has one for, for sure. It's called Chance of Profit on that platform. Um, but Tastyworks, it, on Tastyworks, it's called uh, Probability of Profit or POP, uh, which can also be seen on my website because I log it at the time of the trade. Um, but that's definitely all there for you. You don't have to calculate it on your own. You don't have to do any fancy math or anything. It's just right there, plain and simple. All right. So, so far we got trade what you know, trade something with high IV. Hopefully it's something that you know, and then trade with a high probability of profit or 70% chance or higher. Um, this, uh, just to add another note onto that before I continue is, uh, if you keep your probability of profit higher, no, like that's 70% chance <laughs> plants chance or plus um, you in the long run if you know if you believe in law of <laughs> law of large numbers you're going to be profitable you have to just make sure that you keep your rules consistent next rule uh, perfect segue being you want to set a max loss per trade I like for a max loss of 5% per trade so for example if you decide to put, hey, you know what? I am going to put 10K into this risk portfolio where I want to join Theta Gang, I want to do what Theta Gang does. If you uh, denote 5% to each trade that you do on Theta Gang, your max loss calculated in your broker platform will be 500. That's not to say that this is a hard rule. You can obviously break them if uh, you have a strong thesis on something, though I highly advise you not to, especially when you're first beginning, um, because you know I could, I could remember times when I first started trading and I believed every single headline that I found and then got angry at the headline or the people because you know that it didn't come true you know you, you see upgrades coming where coming from everywhere on you know some rogue websites that aren't even accredited to do uh, like good upgrades and you get, you happen to read it on some crappy penny stock article and then you get mad because your position didn't go up or down like the way you wanted so uh, if you're just beginning, you definitely want to make sure that you know you just get a feel for things. That you just make you know each trade have a max loss of five uh, five percent, or you know um, if you have a portfolio of 10k, make sure your max loss is 500. Some brokerages don't tell you what your max loss is at the time of the trades. Uh, like I think Robinhood doesn't tell you the max loss, um, but uh, other brokerages do. Um, but it's easy to also calculate max loss, but that would be a different video as well when I just focus on this one um, topic of the strategy. 
and just to put this into some context, like I myself don't even follow the rule um, some of the time, and that's when I believe in a thesis really hard. And you know, I've been doing this for quite a while, so I'm okay or comfortable with the price fluctuations. But uh, again, to put this in context, the QSR put credit spreads I have open, I have six of them with uh, a spread of 75 to 70. If I have six of them, that means I have uh, around $3,000 max loss, um, but I also received credit of about 500 or so. So my max loss on this trade is 2,500, um, which is well above the 500 mark. But you know, I am in this with a strong thesis in mind, and again, I'm pretty much <laughs> I'm pretty experienced at this. So, um, but I just want to put give you guys a like a reference of you know what. We're not following some type of guru, but we're or following some, uh, or <laughs> not following, but we're listening to, you know, just an average retail trader. I'm just like you guys, but I've just been doing it a little bit uh, longer or, you know, maybe talking about it more publicly if you've been doing it longer than me. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I'm regular human, just trading normally. Uh, most of my trades, I say like 90% of my trades do follow the max loss of, I even go like 400. I do have a max loss of 400 um, and I collect an uh, average of $100 premium across those trades, which is the next topic in this is uh, how much credit re received am I looking for? So we talked a lot so far. We talked about trade what you know, trade something with high IV, trade something higher than a probability of profit of 70%, um, and make sure that your credit that you're receiving uh, get, puts you in a position of max loss of 400. Um, but we haven't talked about, again, uh, the max profit that we're looking for, which is the credit that you receive when you open it. Um, so um, with a max loss of 400, I want about like 25% of it back. I want 100 uh, profit, uh, max profit. And you're, I'm not going to be getting that every trade. Sometimes, you know, maybe I receive 80 for risking 400. Sometimes I receive more than that. I receive like 120 for 400. Uh, this is especially true during earnings when IV spikes up. Remember, you collect more premium or more profit when you sell something. When IV is higher or when there's like earnings around or big decisions um, coming up. Um, but yeah, so I like to uh, maintain like a 25%, um, you know, uh, return on any sort of uh, max loss of 400. Lastly, I've been doing a lot less of them, but I want to bring up RSI and zero day expirations uh, contract um, scalping. And that is basically selling the contract that you think will not get in the money on the day the expiration expires based on a few conditions. Uh, definitely not advocating to do this because, you know, I like doing it sometimes. I like getting in the roots of things or in the trenches. But um, you know, if anyone is listening to this that is not primarily selling options, maybe you're a swing trader, this little mini section is probably for you in this podcast episode. And on zero, so zero day expirations, uh, I like to look at RSI. You know, being 20 or 80 in between there um, is like a dead zone for me. But as soon as it crashes, crashes crosses 20 uh, down below 20 or over 80 I like to sell the underlying um, at the nearest strike price of where it's at uh, and then I'll have an internal stop loss of like 300 so if I you know 
is if Apple is currently trading at 100 and it goes up to spikes up to 120 RSI is like above 80 you know because it's so overbought um, it needs to cool off so I'll sell the 125 or something super close to 120 and think or on the thesis that you know it's so overbought people are gonna sell off for a profit near end of day or something um, again this is absolutely not the theta gang way to um, you know get more money though it is um, uh, definitely selling premium because it is definitely uh, the essence of premium or the essence of gamma if you're into the Greeks, which we'll go into in a future episode. But that is for zero-day options. You want to look for RSI. At least that's my uh, little hint. And just before you get any bright ideas, no, the, thankfully Robinhood does not let you do zero-day expiration trades. Uh, I think a lot of millennials would get blown up uh, or assigned a lot more often if uh, we were allowed to. So thankfully, they don't let you do that. I know other brokerages have it. Um, but again, have to reiterate, this is not a safe option at all. However, if you do see RSI cross 80 or 20 on your given time interval of maybe more than a week, then that's a good call for like maybe selling the calls or the puts in that specific direction. For example, Roku uh, is you know topping off right now. Its RSI was like eight, like 80 or something, or a little bit higher than that on the one month. So it should cool off or is cooling off. I have no idea about that stock. It's soon going to be on my watch list uh, once you know I some sort of correction happens. But it's been just so on fire. Um, but yeah. All right, and that wraps it up. So that is how I trade, right? So as a summary, because I heard on this other podcast that giving summaries at the end are is actually really beneficial to the listener because they take away more and they come back because it's easier to follow. Um, so uh, that is trade what you know. Make sure you get comfortable with it, with the bird's eye view, keeping your watch list. Make sure your watch list isn't too big so that, you know, you don't just don't scan your eyes over it. You get used to the price channel, get used to the price movements. You want to hope that things that you're interested in have higher IV. For for me, it's, you know, I'm into retail, I'm into tech. So, you know, Shopify and Tesla are perfect candidates for high IV and things that I'm interested in. Um, strategies when I deploy them, whether it be put credit spreads or call credit spreads or short iron condors, I like a maximum uh, loss of 400 while getting an average of $100 like max credit. Uh, I like to make those trades or organize those trades, orchestrate those trades, um, those spreads and widths, giving me a probability of profit um, of over 70% or that's chance of profit on Robinhood. And lastly, given any sort of time frame on your favorite technical chart, I love seeing RSI above 80 when it's overbought or 20 when it's oversold and selling, you know, again, if it's overbought, I like selling calls at that particular time. Um, but especially when it's um, under 20, I like selling puts. Uh, just as a general note and from a uh, average retailer to another, uh, this is me to you. Uh, I like selling puts a lot more often than selling calls because nothing feels worse than losing money when the market is going up. I cannot reiterate that. You become so bitter when the market goes up. I can understand why bears are always so angry. So, and this is not a shot to bears because I'm I'm pretty bearish on a few other stocks, but not going to mention that on this podcast. But um, here we go. 
uh, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I feel like this is going to be one of my more popular ones. Um, and if you're listening, uh, thank you. Ooh, on a quick note, I have been remembering after I published the episode that I haven't been doing the fun section. Um, and that is due to, uh, <laughs> namely, it's due to lack of YOLOs, is that, if that's how you call it. No one um, on the Reddits or subreddits that I've been looking at have been doing YOLOs. <laughs> I can't even, can't even talk. It doesn't, it doesn't feel right talking about it. <laughs> uh, on, some, on, some, on some specific subreddits, uh, there there have been a lack of YOLO, so I've been been able to haven't been able to report on them. Um, but in today's news, uh, some big bank. Uh, let me let me let me pause real quick. I had to I had to look it up because I've been saying Morgan Stanley for so long. Uh, J P Morgan. Uh, announced today that they created a Volfef index, and this is you know Trump's famous uh, you know miss typo typo tweeto. I don't know. He misspelled something in a tweet. Uh, Kafef. Uh, J.P. Morgan finally creates a Volfef uh, index to track uh, Trump tweet impact. So it's gonna be exciting to see whether or not we can end up trading on this thing. But more than more than anything, uh, I just gotta say props to everyone listening on this channel. Um, props to your mom and parents for birthing you because we are all part of this generation where tweets affect the stock market and is uh, accountable for an entire index. That is nuts. I cannot wait until we see if this is tradable or not. Regardless, this is hilarious. Good on JP Morgan for creating this thing. It is excellent PR. Um, it's just blowing up on Twitter right now. All right, and that wraps it up for my eighth episode. I've been doing this for eight weeks. This is nuts. So that's about like two months. I have like 300 and what? Like 300, let me see, 315 people signed up on Theta Gang. We crossed 300 earlier this week. Super nuts, super crazy. Thankful for everyone signing up. If you haven't already, follow uh, Real Theta Gang on Twitter. Uh, that's my trading tweet tweeter if you want to go sign up for the trade alerts there i'll probably incorporate something like that on theta gang where you can directly receive sms right when i open a trade or something that'd be pretty cool but until then follow me on real theta gang on twitter uh, i also have a patreon that i updated the uh, pricing tiers are a little bit cheaper um, so get in while you can. Uh, I'm looking for advertisers right now. I'm sending out advertising letters. So maybe in a few upcoming podcast episodes, you're going to hear a dank ad read by me or something. It's going to be it's gonna be super sick. Um, and I'm just super excited. We're growing so fast. And I'm just super grateful for everyone that's been super supportive of me um, from the beginning. So thank you guys. Um, and again, datagang.com. Super cool now, super spiffy, looks super sleek. Please visit it. Thank you.